With approximately 40 million victims worldwide, human trafficking has become the fastest growing industry in the world. It is estimated that 71% of enslaved victims are women and children. Soraya Hastings is a survivor of human trafficking, and after 20 years of enslavement, she is now free and has become an advocate for modern slavery. Soraya has written a book about her journey called No More Games. On this week's episode of Speaking of Love, Soraya and I will share a candid dialogue about this relevant topic in hopes of raising global awareness. This is one episode you don't want to miss, so please join us this Saturday at 12 o'clock noon via Facebook Live. We hope to see you there. Okay, there we are. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I am super excited to be here today. I am here. This podcast is called Speaking of Love, Speaking of Love, and this podcast is dedicated to the memory of my father, Herman McAlpin. My father committed suicide on March 2nd of this year. Uh, He also killed his wife before he killed himself. So uh, I want to do something to bring more love into our world and to help people who are hurting. We're all struggling with something in our lives. And to lose my father in such a tragic way was very devastating. And I am still struggling with it. But I want to honor his memory. You know, he did a horrible thing. But he lived on the earth for 67 years. And he did a lot of wonderful things. And he accomplished so many great things in his life. And I just want to bring more love into our world because that's what we need. And I'm doing that today. And today I have a phenomenal woman. Soraya Hastings is here today. She is a sex trafficking survivor. She was living enslaved for over 20 years and she has come out. She's free. She has written an amazing book. And I want to talk to her today in depth. And the purpose of this interview today is to help you to bring love into our world and to help our viewers because there are people here who are struggling, who are enslaved, who can't get free. So we're going to go right into our interview and talk with Mrs. Soraya Hastings. First of all, Soraya, I bow to your excellence. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here and to talk about your story. How are you today? I'm great. I am blessed. I'm great. Um, Amazing things. God is just moving. You know, God is alive and he is moving like never before. You know, I went on to Amazon and I downloaded your book because I, I like to read the books and support the people who are here on my podcast. And I wouldn't feel right interviewing you without knowing your story and reading your book. So I read your book last night and I understand that this all started when you were about 18 years old. Tell us how this, uh, how this started. So for um, my high school years, my teenage years life, I was basically caught up with having um, sex parties and men talking about boys talking about, oh, you're cute. I don't want to be your you know boyfriend and come to the parties and things like that. And I said, okay. And I got where it was, um, men you know boys just having sex and I saw men exchanging money and this is when I was before I was 18 and I didn't know what was going on and then I was when I turned 18 
I was kicked out of my parents' house because I was in drugs and just running the streets. And my mother told me, no, you cannot come back home. I had begged her and stuff. And she said, no. And so I went to a party. And when I walked in that house, it was like another world I had just walked into. Um, women were half naked. Men were just all over the, um, the apartment. And I'll never forget that day when I went into that back room and I saw that that girl crying and they said to me and they looked at me oh you a thick thing I'll never forget those words you a thick thing and I looked at them and I said and I just I didn't know at 18 not really knowing and I'm like oh and they're seeing something and I just said okay and they just gave me drugs and they said here and next thing I know I woke up and didn't realize that I had multiple men that had sex with me that day yeah. and they were basically deciding who was going to be my they, the, the legal term is human uh, trafficker. I know it as a pimp, but that's who, that's how I started. Yeah. Cause I was reading in your book that you mentioned that you didn't have a Coca-Cola shape when you were growing up, you were short and overweight and you had a long desire to be loved. And a lot of this, uh, came from a lack of love and that you wanted to be loved and accepted. Can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I would, my father used to always tell me that I was fat and, or, um, I was a pig or, um, different things, you know, um, I was a cow, you know, any, um, words to say, and he'd also always tell me, oh, I'm saying this so that if anybody comes and tells you that you'll be able to handle it, you won't be able, you won't be affected by it. And I just said, okay, you know, as a kid, that's all I was around all the time was just, oh, you're fat. Look at you. You're fat. You know, somebody said to me, um, oh, you know, where's the beef fat? You know, those are the things that just come constantly and stuff. And um, I've always been, you know, heavy at the time when my father was telling me that I was um, almost 300 pounds at the, at 14 years old. And so, you know, and it was just, it, I just spiraled into a depression and I was like, there's no love here. Like I, I didn't feel like I was getting told by kids that I was fat and then to come home and my father tell me that it was like, I was not, I was not in love by somebody. So sure. when, so when I went to that apartment and they said, oh, you a thick thing. I thought that that meant, oh, you're cute. And okay, you know, we, we like you, you know, I, I, that's how I felt. So how did you get introduced to being, I know that the incident occurred the first night that you were there, but how did it continue on? So after that first night happened, after that happened, I immediately went with my trafficker to his house. And did that, you know that he was a trafficker? No. Not okay. until he said, oh, you're going to come live with me. You're going to come stay with me. That was so, you, so you thought you were going to be like his girlfriend or what have you? Yes. Okay, I see. And so he said, we're, you know, because I told him my situation. I said, oh, you know, I'm homeless and stuff. They said, oh, just get your stuff from where you're at. Because I was sleeping on couches and friends' couches and stuff. And they said, oh, just come. Oh, we'll get your stuff and you could come live with me. And you'll stay with me and I'll take care of you and stuff. And I said, oh, okay. And that's when I went into his house and there was nothing in his house. There was nothing um, but a bed and one room. Oh my and I had to stay in that. And he specifically told me, he said, I can't take a shower. I can't use the bathroom. I couldn't eat. I couldn't leave his room until he got back from his job. 
Wow. And how did that make you feel? Were you afraid? I, I didn't, at the, at the time, I didn't realize what I got myself into until it actually officially happened. And then when he came in that first night and said, okay, it's time for you to go make money. I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. Like, what, what, do, what do you mean make money? How does that, what does that look like? And, you know, a lot of girls, that's what happens. You know, they get involved in a relationship and they have a boyfriend and they tell them, oh, we need, you know, we need to get this or we need some money or they'll say certain things and they, it caught, it catches women off guard. Like, what, what do you mean? We, I have to go do this. I have to what? And so that's when I said, okay, I, I didn't know I wanted to get out and, but it just kept on spiraling. Cause I was looking for love. Yes. You know, yeah. a deep love, somebody that truly just loved me for however I looked, whether I was fat or skinny or whatever. Now, did you feel that he loved you? Did he ever say that he loved you? No, he never said the first trafficker never said that he loved me. And that's what I try to get out. And that's when you read in my book on how I um, paid. I had touched some money in my bra yes. and I tried to get, and that's, and, and that's the truth. My mom and my dad, my mom, I left a message on my mom's voicemail. I never forget. She told me that. And I was horrified when I found out that my mom heard the conversation of me and this man mm. in a truck. Oh my goodness. You know, so many details I have learned from reading the book. I don't want to tell everything here, but I just want to know, like, as a person, how do you feel knowing that you're being victimized and you can't get out? I know there had to be like a sense of helplessness. How did you overcome that? Well, um, the whole time I was in human trafficking, I was always trying to get other girls out. I remember I was um, in a city and I had two girls with me and I told them, I said, listen, you can leave and I'll stay back and I'll take the punishment and, you know, you could go because wow. they were underage. They were um, 15 and 16. And at the time I was 20 okay. and I said, I'll, I'll get, you know, don't worry, I'll take the punishment. And they went back and told the trafficker and the trafficker um, came to me and he, um, he hit me. And I it retaliated and I hit him back. And when I hit him back, it threw him off guard because I hit him in the face. And that's when he just let off and I had to duck and cover like this. And he had to just fight me. And I would always try to get people out. I always wanted, because I didn't want them to be hurting the way I was hurting. So did you endure a lot of physical abuse along with the sex trafficking? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I got busted in my mouth to where I had to put four stitches in my mouth, um, because I didn't make enough money. Um, I had knives pulled out on me. Um, I was, uh, beaten when I was, I used to talk about it in my book. The, the one horrific time was when I disrespected my trafficker in front of other traffickers. And so they put me in a tub full of ice with cold water and had me sit in that tub for four hours naked. Oh my goodness. And I just had, and I started to bang my head against the wall in the hotel room. And I had to just, and they said, you know, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. And I just, I sat there and I just said, God, if you can get me out of this, I just need to get out of this. You know, and in each way, I always, whenever I prayed and said, you know, God, can you get me out of this? He found a way for me to get out. And I didn't realize it was him because I didn't know about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Jesus Christ really was. So I'd always say, God, get me out. And then I would get out. I would think I'd get out, but I would go somewhere else mm -hmm. and get back in that same situation, you know, until I actually finally got to 
know who Jesus Christ and somebody sat down with me. Um, her name was Phyllis Phelps and she sat down with me and she introduced me to who really Jesus Christ is. And ever since then, you know, and I, as I said, it's, you know, your sixth episode and this uh, sixth year that I've been a Christian. Oh, and ever wow. since then, I've just, you know, have shared the love of Jesus Christ. The, the true love comes from Jesus Christ. Yes, it does. And Jesus was with you, even though you endured some of the worst pain and tragedies that anyone could ever face. You, you lived through it and Jesus was with you all of that time. Yes. I'm so yes. happy that you're here today to tell us and help us and raise awareness for sex trafficking, because I know that Michigan, where I live, is a is a hot spot. Yes, for sex is. trafficking. And I understand that there are not it's not just young adults, but there are children as well. Yes. Can you so, tell us a little about that? So it, it's it starts at probably about the age in, in Michigan. It starts at about 11 years old is when they really start um, for girls. Um, there are boys that are trafficked as well, but um, Michigan, especially in Detroit and in Flint um, and Saginaw are the three major cities that um, have that because they're so close to Chicago. Um, so there's a lot of traffic that goes through there. There's a lot of money. Um, you know, so women women go, I've, I have met women that have been up to the age of 50 that are, be, that are being sex trafficked wow. and, and walking on the streets. I've met women that are grandmothers that are being trafficked, you know, and it's a cycle that needs to be broken. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. You're absolutely correct. It, it only comes through Jesus. So how do they get the 11 year old girls involved at such a young age? Uh, the same way, and I kind of write that in my book, um, in the book, I tried to bring out ways to identify how you get groomed. Mm. Um, the word is the word that people need to understand is the word groom. Um, men like to groom women, so you know, um, me being heavy, heavy, and so a man will come along to maybe a eleven-year-old or a twelve-year-old who may have looked like they have you know, low self-esteem or whatever, not feeling good about themselves. And they come along and say, oh, you're pretty. Oh, you know, let's go in uh, to the mall or let's go do this. Or, and they actually make it seem like they're taking the time to put special attention to them. And once they hook them, then they go off. And then they, next thing you know, you lead into human trafficking and they're not, you know, oh, this is my boyfriend. He loves me. Or this is my daddy. You know, that's a big word in there. This yeah. is my daddy. He's going to take care of me. He, he's got me covered. They groom in you and they stroke and massage you and get you to believing that they're on your side and they care. And yes. really they could care less about who you are. Right. That right. is so awful. You know, your strength to survive. Do you, where do you think the strength to survive all of this came from? Only Jesus. Only from Jesus. Only Jesus. Because I, I mean, there are many days, you know, there's a scripture that says in Psalms that he snatched me from death's door. I don't know how many times that I've had. Um, and I talk about it when I went back to my parents' house. I had to hide in my parents' house for six months because uh, traffickers was calling my phone, threatening to kill me, threatening to kill my parents. They were constantly looking for me and saying, they were always, oh, I'm going to get you. And I would have to hide. I was I snatched and he snatched me from death's door and he allowed me to live mm -hmm. and allowed me to understand that I do have a purpose. I do have a life. He, he truly showed me that he truly cares for me. 
Yes, yes. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we are talking today to Soraya Hastings. She has written a book called No More Games. It's available on Amazon, No More Games by Soraya Hastings. And she is a sex trafficking survivor. And she's here today to talk to us about her experience and about her life and how she has overcome. And through all of it, through the whole process, She's fallen in love with Jesus and she has Amen. developed a relationship with him. And Soraya, I understand that you were in about 33 states. 33 states. I got trafficked in from New York all the way down to Florida, from Florida to California and back. Um, so I've traveled in many different states and was trafficked in many different states. Um, I have experienced um, different ways and then the only... And that times when I was there, um, I was basically homeless in almost every state. Um, I lived in hotels basically. And that's the only difference between me and a homeless person was that I was living in hotels. Sometimes I was living on beaches or sleeping on beaches or sleeping on the sidewalk. I've slept on sidewalks and I've slept in a hole under a freeway with rats running um, by me and stuff. Um, just to maintain giving money to my trafficker. Wow, Soraya, the sun, uh, where you are, the sun is moving. So your face is be getting a little darker. Oh, is that better? Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's much better. Much better. Okay. There we go. That's better. Yeah, the sun was starting to take away Shift on your, you. your sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Soraya, when, when you were in the sex trafficking, when you were enslaved, did you have a relationship with your family? Were you able to call home and let everyone know that you were okay? Or were you just distant from everyone? So I was distant um, because I was ashamed of what I was doing. Um, but in the process, I had a child and um, I stopped. I kind of put a halt. Um, my trafficker had went to jail and um, I had lost contact with them. Um, and then I came back to, into meeting with him again. And I had walked away from my son. Um, I may cry. I'm sorry. Um, oh, that's okay. I walked away from my son at the age of when he was two years old. Um, because once again, my trafficker told me, oh, I love you. I want, um, I want to be with you. I want to be your, you know, we're going to have a family, you know, all the things that I wanted and, and was praying for and, and just, and I thought I was like, this is it. So, um, when he was two, I left him. And when I left him, um, the last time I physically saw my son was when he was four. Okay. And I, you know, I haven't seen him since, um, you know, and I, and I pray for him and, you know, and I asked the Lord, you know, when is the opportunity time to, for me to meet him again, but, you know, I left him because I wanted, I wanted a love from a man. Sure. And, you know, and most, most girls, that's what they want these days. They look on these TV when people don't understand when they listen to rap shows or rap songs and things like that, that's out there. Most of the women are being human trafficked. Those are most, most of the women are human trafficked that are on the stage that are in the strip clubs. And they're mostly, most of the time human trafficked. So when girls sit there like, oh, I want to be like that, or I want that, it's a false image that is being persuaded out there in the world for these girls. So then they want what they see, and then they go after it, and then they get, you know, drawn into something like how I was. And they can't get out. And they can't. 
there's really, you know, and that's why I put in the book, there's only, there's really three ways that a person gets out. Either you, you get murdered, either you go to jail or you get sold. Oh I've been sold. I've been physically sold from one man to another. I've watched a whole transaction happen in front of my eyes about me being sold, you know, and that's what blows my mind when people tell me, oh, what country do you come from? And, and, and I honestly, that's why I wrote my book. It's because people sit there and they say to me, you know, oh, what country you come from? No, this is in your back door. This is happening right under your nose and you don't see this, but this is a true slavery that's going on. You know, we, I made so much money, so much money that just ran through my hands. It's a, you know, and they, men talk about, oh, it's lucrative and, oh, you can have the cars, you can have this, you can have that. And it's all false. So the money that you were making as a human sex trafficking slave, did any of that money go to you or did all of it go to the people who were in charge of you? So the money that I made, um, there was, I would have to tell them how much it would be for me to stay in a hotel room. And they would only give me an amount for it be three days, maybe a week, depending on the what trafficker. And that's what makes my story unique. I wasn't trafficked by one person. I was trafficked by many men. So um, one, it would happen is they'll tell me, okay, here's the money for this. I would tell them I need cigarettes or they wouldn't let me, certain, certain traffickers wouldn't let me use drugs, certain traffickers would. So it all depend on what trafficker I had at the time and in what state I was in. And then they would say, okay, here you go. Here's this. And the rest of the money went to them. Wow. I remember I gave, I gave one man in one week, I gave him almost $30,000. Oh my goodness. In one week. And I think I, out of all that, I may have saw maybe 600 and that was just to pay for my hotel. Wow. So after the, the birth of your child and you went back into the sex trafficking, was it a different experience being that you were now you had now given birth and that you were a mother, was it a different feeling? Um, I, I wanted it to be, but my son's father, who was my, who was my trafficker, um, once again, he said, oh, you're fat. Let me help you lose that weight. And that's when I, he get, uh, he got me addicted to, um, I was, uh, did crystal crack and coke. Mm -hmm. And I had lost a hundred pounds and I lost it so fast that I had a heart attack at the age of 22. Wow, my goodness. Um, because mm -hmm. I had lost the weight so fast and I was doing so much. Um, I did, um, I did so much in one night that I, I basically had a heart attack and they, um, I didn't know what was going on. So um, did, and I, did he take you to get medical treatment or? No, he left me and somebody found me on the street. Oh my God. Passed out on the, from what the, what the hospital people told me is that somebody found me. So when you recovered from that, what was life like for you after recovering from the heart attack? I went deeper into drugs. Oh That's when God. I started to get heavy into crystal meth. Um, because I, that at that point I couldn't go back home. I couldn't see my son. I couldn't face him. I didn't want my son to know that his mom was this woman who just gave up on life and who just um, didn't want nothing to do with life. You know, so I just dug myself deeper into drugs and just deeper into finding the next person, the next man. It was, it was got to the point where I was just looking for a man uh, just to want to be with, you know, to be with. 
Now, during that time of being in the sex trafficking ring, did you ever find anyone who cared for you at all? I mean, a best friend or was there anyone in your life at that time who genuinely had a deep interest for you as a person? No, I, I burnt all my bridges. Okay. Um, and so, because the, the friends that I did have um, that were genuine, I was taking money from them, um, getting them to pay, uh, you know, for my drugs or whatever. I would tell them, I would lie to them, oh, I need the money for this. Or, and they came to realize, so they stopped. Um, they stopped sending money, stopped talking to me. So I, it got to the point where I was just by myself and I was just running around United States um, just like with my, with a chicken with their head cut off. Cause I, I just didn't know what to do. I was looking for drugs left and right, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, and that's when it, it became it. Um, I had to come to the end of myself and I said, I was done. I was done on May 3rd. I just, I stopped. It was the last time I ever did crystal meth was May 3rd of 2014. Mm -hmm. And I told God, I said, if you can get me out of this situation, um, I will, serve you I will do whatever I will never steal any anything I want to do no illegal activity nothing and mm -hmm. you know that's when he you know brought me to the journey that I'm on now to where you know I was able to meet uh, Phyllis Phelps um, and meeting her she introduced me to Jesus Christ because when I met her I was pregnant again and I was homeless when I met her and how did you how did you meet Phyllis? Where, what is her connection to you? So Phyllis is um, Phyllis was at a pregnancy resource center out in the New England area, and she um, she was working at the pregnancy resource center. And when I flew out to uh, the New England area, the the shelter, the home, the domestic violence shelter took me in because I had called twenty seven shelters. I called all of Maine. Um, there are 16 shelters in Maine. They all denied me. They said that my situation was too severe to take me in. I was four months pregnant at the time. And so I called and they said, um, the shelter said, oh, I'll take you. And I said, okay. You know, and I came out here and when I went out to New England, they told me about this place called Pregnancy Resource Center. And I met Phyllis Phelps and Phyllis Phelps said, it's going to be okay. And that was the first time in 10 years that I had cried. Yeah. and just broke down and said okay I said okay and she said I can't help you there's only one person that can help you and his name is Jesus Christ and when she said that she said will you accept Jesus in your heart and I said yes I will I said because what else you know and I told her I said what else what else is going to happen to me I've done everything you know I, I've had every everything else done wrong to me you know accepting Jesus Christ you know what harm can that do to me let's give it a try so yeah Yep. And so, you know, she said, okay. So she introduced me to a program and I went into this program and I was in it. Um, and they taught me the love of Jesus Christ and they gave me the foundation. And in that I worked on seeing how God truly is a faithful God and that he, you know, not only that he snatched me from death's door, but he says that I knew you before the foundations of the world. Like he knew me he knows the number of hairs on your head. He just, and I just sat there and I said, wow, I said, okay, God, you know, and ever since then I've been on a journey. I, you know, people thought that I would never graduate, never go to college, you know, mm -hmm. let alone I've been, I'm graduating. You graduated from Bible college. I read Yes. That. Tell it's us about that. It's amazing. I, um, 
So North Point Bible College, that is my school. I love it. I it originally was called Zion Institution um, and it's in, ha it's in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And I went there and I learned uh, theologically who Jesus Christ is. I learned um, just how everything works and that he is a gracious and merciful God and that he's a just God, you know, and I said, you know, and I got to really understand that he is um, just an awesome person. And, you know, I was originally going to go for youth because I wanted to help kids and the ones that were in the streets. And then God put it on my heart to help women yeah. very heavily. And I said, okay. And while I was at North Point, um, it was like at the end of my year of my, cause I just got an associate's degree. So it was my end of my year and Phyllis Phelps called, you know, I called Phyllis Phelps, um, cause I had been staying in contact with her this whole time. And I was able to call her and I said, the Lord put on my heart to come to your home and stuff. And so she said, okay. And it was, um, the home that she runs is called house of hope, New Hampshire. And so she, you know, she said, okay. And I, you know, I was, I came, I talked to her, I talked to my pastors and stuff, and I was able to come. And it's so cool because I come back to where I originally started from when I first came to know Jesus. Wow. I get to come back and share the love of Jesus with the same people that I started with, you know, and work with the woman who helped me if, and to show me who Jesus Christ is. I get to help women to show who Jesus Christ with her. And it's just amazing. It's just a cycle of just amazement. This is beautiful. Such a beautiful story. For my viewers here, today we are talking to Soraya Hastings. She is a sex trafficking survivor. She was uh, enslaved for 20 years and she has survived. She's come out. She knows Jesus Christ and she has written a beautiful book. Her book is called No More Games and it's available on Amazon. Please stop by and get yourself a copy of it, No More Games by Soraya Hastings. And she talks about her experience for 20 years being a sex trafficking slave in over 33 states. She also talks about how she has turned her life around. No more drugs, no more being enslaved. Amen. She is just a phenomenal woman. And I'm so happy that you've taken the time to talk to us today about your experiences. But I would like to go back just a little bit. Um, yes. During the time that you were expecting your second child, how mm -hmm. did life change for you as a mom being pregnant the second time? That's when I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I was done. That was the um, turnaround point for you. That was, I, what happened is I went to the hospital cause I was, I was homeless again, had nowhere to go, had no money. So I knew that if I lied to the, I lied to the hospital, I could get in to just lay on a bed for a minute. And so I made up a story and they let me in, you know, to admit me into the hospital. And so they did a pregnancy test and, um, and they did, they came back and they said I was pregnant. And I said, okay, so when I left the hospital, that's when I called my trafficker. And I told my trafficker, you know, that I'm pregnant. And the first things that came out of his mouth was, but I thought you were going to give me money. You were supposed to send me money. Where's the money been? I haven't heard from you in two weeks. And I was like, whoa, I just told you I'm pregnant. He's like, don't tell people that you're pregnant by me. And I was like, whoa, okay. Mind you, I had been... I had sent this man so much money and had did so much stuff. I said, okay. I said, all right. And that's when I said, I'm done. No more. I said, so you no never more. went back to it after that. No. So how was life for you? How did you rebuild your life without 
having that going on? Well, like I said, I went into a program. I met Phyllis Phelps. Um, and I met, I, when I met her, she introduced me to a program that's similar to Teen Challenge and House of Hope. And I, um, I went into that program and I learned about who Jesus was. Um, they took the time to sit with me um, and walk through with certain issues that I had that was inside. Right. And then what I did was after that, um, they told me, okay, what's your next step? They always talked about the future. What's going on? What's the next step? Don't look in your past. Let go of the past. Forget about the past. Move forward. Move forward. They give and you I goals. Said, yeah. Right. And I said, okay. So what I did was I, um, I said, okay. And one night I was praying and the Lord put it on my heart to go to Bible college. And I said, okay, I don't know why. I said, but okay. And so I went to Bible college. And when I went to Bible college, that's when the next step happened when he showed me, okay, House of Hope, New Hampshire. And I said, okay. Now is and the House of Hope still around? Yes. I'm actually, this is actually the sun room that I'm sitting in, in the house right now. Oh, and stuff. That that's why I'm, did? that's why I'm kind of rotating. Cause I'm in the sun room. Okay. Of the okay. home right now. So is that where you live now? I actually, I work here. I oh. work here. So that's where I am, but I am in the New England area. Okay. I actually, uh, I work here. I help out. I volunteer here, but I, I work at a hospital now. Um, the Lord had opened a door for allowing me to work at the hospital and I get to help women. Um, there's been some women who have come in who, um, who have either been um, in domestic violence relationships. And I, I can tell that, and I've been able to minister and talk to them and say, I've been there. I know how it feels to be um, you know, beaten or have to look at down at the ground and not look at anybody or not speak. So Soraya, you've written this book. What did you learn about yourself during the whole process of writing this book about your life, about your experiences, about your pain? I mean, you, your, your emotions in this book are so raw and so real and you're very vulnerable in reaching your audience. So where did all of that come from? And what did you learn about yourself during that whole transition? So I, um, in there, I talk about how I had a surgery. That surgery happened actually last year. It was, um, the, I wrote the book. Um, I started it in February of last year and in September I had my surgery and I couldn't write it. I didn't understand what people say. Oh, I had, you have a writer's block or I have a writer's block. I never understood that. And then when it happened to me, I couldn't write anything. And I had the surgery. And when I had the surgery, um, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, you, you, you're, you're, something's happening, something's going on. And I said, okay, God, I said, okay. I said, all right. And I'll never forget the word grace. And I said, and he said, you can't give grace because you've never received grace. Yes. And all those years that I was human traffic, I was never received grace. Every time I looked up, there was, I had to, I wasn't, it wasn't good enough. I had to do more. I had to do more. My father, even same thing. I had to do more. I was never good enough. And so I asked my pastor um, that I go uh, to church right now is called Christian Life Fellowship. And I went to this, my pastor and I said to him, I said, pastor, I said, I need, I need your help. I need to understand how to give grace. And we sat there and we talked about um, just how my life was with my father and how my father was very, um, very hard on me, very, did very things to me that um, no man should do to their child, you know, and, 
And I just said, okay, you know, and we sat there and he said, you have bitterness towards your father. You got to let it go. You got to forgive. Jesus forgave you. You got to forgive him. And I remember one night I went into prayer and the Lord showed, and I just prayed and I asked God, please, please let me forgive him. Mm-hmm. And the minute I was able to release that and let that go, I saw, okay, and it's now to where a point where I can just, I feel the pain, I feel pity, you know, I look at, you know, people and I feel pity and I just go, okay, God. And I almost, it's like the forgiveness there, you know, the, the things that go on in this world, it, I just say that they're hurting people, you know, they're hurting people that need Jesus Christ. That's all I see now. So you can see that your father was hurting some kind of way. And that's why he caused you so much pain. Yes. He himself. Well, what, what do you think was causing his pain? Well, his, you know, in his pain was due to the fact that his mother neglected him and didn't want nothing to do with him and all the pain that his mother put on him. You know, she was very critical, never wanted him around, you know, never he could, he did many, many things, master's degrees, got all kinds of stuff. He did many things educational wise, and it was still never good enough for his family, for his brothers. You know, he's the youngest of his family and his brothers and everybody, you know, they didn't approve of it. Yeah. And so he, you know, he didn't approve of me. Wow. And that's, so, could, so basically he couldn't give you what he never had. Right. And that's what they mean about the generational curses. It's like your parents didn't give you what you needed. So we have children, we can't give them what they need. And it just, the cycle keeps repeating itself unless some type of intervention takes place. Yes. So Soraya, you're such a beautiful person and I'm so inspired by you. I just, I admire you and what you have accomplished. What kind of advice would you give to maybe someone who's watching right now who may be in a similar situation to what you've been through? How do they get the courage to step up and get out of it? Well, the first thing that they need to do, you know, and if if this is not just about human trafficking, this is also for domestic violence. If they are in a situation where they are like, they, they're tired. If you, if they, if you are tired of living the same cycle over and over again, cry out to Jesus. Just say, God, I need you and I need you to move. And if you are sincere about it and you are, there are no, there are ways you can call, you know, um, there are organizations, I don't know, you know, you're in Detroit, I'm in New England, but there are different places around the nation that you can reach out to um, there are two on one is the best place to start with, and they will get you out. They will help you um, just reach out. If you don't know uh, anybody, go to a church, find a pastor, find someone, and they will help you. You know, that's, that's the advice I can only give because that's the only way that I got out was I found, you know, I found Phil, that Phyllis Phelps is the one that got me out. Wow. You know, it was it, Jesus Christ used Phyllis Phelps to get me out. And I, that's the, at the end of the day, I can't say anything, but you got to cry out to Jesus. You want out, you done with your life. You done living this, you know, a mundane life and constantly, you know, going through the same torture every single day. I woke up crying. I woke up, you know, wishing I would never 
never be alive. I was, I would wash, I would be in a shower just in cold water, just sitting there like, what is going on? Weeks that I wasn't able to take a shower. I remember weeks I, I wasn't, I didn't have a shower. I don't even know how I got through it. Wow. You know, and just at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the one. He's the one that will save us all. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he definitely saved you. I just, your testimony is so powerful. You are such an amazing woman. After all of this was over, Soraya, were you ever able to get back in touch with your family? Do they know that you're okay now? Um, no, I, you know, I, I have the door, the, the door is open, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to, I don't want to push a door that is not for me to push. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, my father asked me to not reach out until my son was 18. And for that, I respect him, you know, coming, well, I is understand. Your fa- is, um, is your father raising your son? Is that what my mom and dad are raising my son, okay. my oldest son? Okay. Yes, I have my youngest son with me and my oldest son is with my parents. Got it. And so I respect my dad's wishes. And when he asked me not to call until he's of age of 18 and I said, okay, that's fine. I respect that. You know, when I was still out there and I was still on drugs, I didn't understand. Now that I've come to Jesus Christ and I've taken the time to really see, I understand, you know, that would, that's something that, you know, I want to respect his wishes, you know. That's wonderful. That's so wonderful that he was able to be placed with family and not put in the foster care system. I have worked with children for almost two decades and I see a lot and I've heard a lot. And I'm just so happy that your son was able to be placed with family because sometimes that's the best place for them. Being in the foster system, it's not always the best option because of course, you know, those children are subjected to so many different things that are not good for them. Soraya, I'm so happy that you're here. For those of you who are watching and listening, we're talking to Soraya Hastings. She has written a book about her 20 years of working as a a sex slave trafficking industry. And her book is called No More Games. It's available on Amazon. I'd like for you all to please go and support her and purchase this book. It's very informative her emotions are very real. She's very honest and frank in her interview. And the book is called No More Games. Soraya, when did you write this book? I started writing the book February of 2019. Okay. And how long did it take you to complete it? Um, I submitted my, uh, my manuscript in November of 2019. Wonderful. And it, was, and it was published in February of this year. So the whole thing took a year. Wow. Have you had any speaking engagements as a result of the book yet? Um, no, because of this COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I have not. However, um, I've been on a couple of uh, yours and another person's podcast. Um, I do have it out there that I do do speaking engagements and I do do book signings and stuff. But, you know, some people um, are fearful of this COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I tell most people, if if this is you know, don't be afraid of this because God is bigger than this COVID. If, you know, we have to remember the scripture of the woman with the issue of blood, she, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 years of issued of blood and he, by the one touch of the hem of garment, she was healed. So if God really wants to heal this land tomorrow, he can heal all this. This is, you know, and just to, you know, 
walk by faith and not by sight, you know, to really truly believe in Jesus. So, you know, some people are fearful. I tell people, don't be afraid of it, but you know, I'm here. I'm, you know, I have it on Facebook. If they want to get a hold of me, they can. I have on Instagram as well. If they want to, you know, they want to reach out to me, I have no problem. Now, Soraya, in, in the book, you talk about the, the name of the book is No More Games. Mm-hmm. You also give a definition of the game in your book. Can you tell our audience exactly what you mean about the game? Tell us so what. It, I, we used to always say that in the streets, you know, are you in the game? Which means it was like, you're making money. You're, you're out here getting money. You're out here, you know, you're trying to come up the words come up, you're trying to make money, all those flashy words that those rappers say, that's what the game is, you know, mm-hmm. you making money, you getting money, you you about money, all those words is, is what it is, and that's why I kind of describe it, and that's why I said there's no more games, I'm not about trying to make no money, I'm not trying to, I'm not about trying to sell my body and sell the temple of Jesus Christ, I'm not about that, this, this ain't for sale, this yeah. body is not for sale. Exactly. So what does life look like now for you, Soraya? What what are you into now? I know you've written this book, you're raising your, your second baby, and you're doing a lot of great things. Tell us what life is like for you now. Um, now um, I'm able to give back, like I said, to House of Hope, um, to work with women. Um, I am working on getting a food truck. Um, that is my goal is to have, and I, write, I think I write that at the end of my book, I'm trying to get a food truck to where um, I am able to go out into the, um, the streets. I was, I was trafficked as we, call, you know, we called it the blade. Um, so, you know, I w- wanted to go to the streets and if women are trafficking there and they don't want to, they don't want to sell their body that night, they could come work on the food truck. They can eat and I'll give them the money. How much, what's the quota that your pimp gave you? Here you go. I'll give it to you. Wow. If you don't want to live that life no more, I'll get, I'll, I'll find a way to get you out. You know, that's, that's what the food truck is all about. It's called um, the food truck that I'm trying to get up and running. It's called filled um, with grace and hope. That's what the food truck's called. Filled with, filled up with grace and hope. Wow. And um, I'm, you know, hopefully soon I'll be on the 700 club um, and talking to them about just the amazing thing. I'm working with a couple of people to make this book into a movie um, so that people can see reality. You know, I, I saw the movie Taken. I saw the movie Preshless um, uh, and all those movies were great. And, you know, I never remember hiding under a bed mm-hmm. for my trafficker. I never, you know, there was things that, you know, women that, that come from other countries, yeah, those things may happen and everything, but this is my story and this is reality and this is what it is and it's in our doors and it's right here in our faces and you, you can't, you know, hide from it, you know, so I, I want, I'm working with some people to try and make it into a movie, you know, so that people can see reality, like this is what your daughter, your mother, your aunt, your grandmother is going to go through like you you know support this if you support this is what you're doing you know and i'm trying to get people to say don't support this yes and it sounds like you're opening up this world to let people know that they're not alone i know in your book you talk about not you're not being alone and i know you felt alone a lot of times can you talk to us a little about the feelings of being alone even though you were in the presence of other people there was an eternal loneliness inside of you, right? Yes. 
Well, I felt alone because I felt like nobody understood what I was going through. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like if I told somebody my story that nobody would understand, that nobody would have the, would have the, um, the ability to wrap their minds around what I just went through, not realizing that there are many women out here that do, and they, they sometimes are afraid to open their mouth, you know, open and speak about it. So, you know, I just sat there and I just said, you know, I don't want them to know, you know, and I say that you're not alone because the scripture that laid on heavy on my heart for the last six years is God will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes. Like God is with you at all times. Like he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you're not alone. He's with you. If you call out on Jesus and you really accept him in his heart, he is with you, you know? And I just sat there and I just said, okay, God, like, you know, and, and that's, you know, when I realized that I'm not alone, you know, even now, as I walk, you know, and I do this journey with the Lord, sometimes I feel like I'm alone. Cause I feel like, man, do you see me God? And he goes, I see you. Mm-hmm. Like this right here, it's a very much of an honor to be on here because, you know, God orchestrated this. I, I you know, we met in, on instant, you know, it was on accident we, that we met, you know, and to be able for you to uh, ask me to come on is an honor. And I just said, God, and he goes, I see you. I will never leave you. You know, and that's what comes to my heart. Every time somebody asks me to do something, he just says, I'll never leave you. I'm with you. So. Yes. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I really appreciate that. Yes. And I, I want I want to be an advocate for people who are hurting and people who are in pain. And it, at the beginning of the podcast here, you mentioned, Soraya, that all of this started because you felt a lack of love. Mm-hmm. Yep. What kind of advice would you give to a young girl? Because I grew up with self-esteem issues what would you say to a young lady who just feels unloved and she wants to do things to get love? How would you help her? I would look at the girl and I would tell her, I understand. That's the first thing. That's the first key. When you could have somebody that they could tell you, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. And then I would, I would always point her to Jesus and I would tell her, listen, He is the one that loves you more than anything else because he died on the cross for you. You know, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should that perish, that whoever should perish, that would not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes. You know, and that's, that's what it is. And then there's a scripture that says that Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I come to give life and life abundantly. Like Jesus loves you like more than ever and that's what I would tell him like and I would tell him you have you have confidence in the Lord knowing that the God who created heaven and earth loves you forget about everybody else he will provide you know I had I had a podcast with somebody a couple uh, last week and I told them they asked me about relationships and stuff like that and I told them I said you can't go in a relationship when you're not whole Mm-hmm. When you have your own issues, like I had my own issues and stuff with, with uh, grace and not being able to forgive, I can't go in a relationship, not be able to forgive my father and think that I want to have a relationship with a man. Yes. That would not have worked out, yes. you know? And so knowing that, okay, 
I need to sit there and know that I need to get myself whole. And the only way you could get whole is with Jesus Christ and the love will fill and flow out of you. And there will be love that comes towards you and around you. And that's what I would tell the, the, the young ladies out there that you, you want the love, you want true love. You want the, what they call agape love, or unconditional love that he loves you regardless of your mistakes, regardless of what you have gone through in your life, what has happened to you. He loves you and he cares for you and he sees you. Yes. He sees you. Yes, you are not alone. Yes. And I think that's what keeps our people stuck in these situations is you feel alone. So yes. what's the point of what's the point of stopping if there's no if there's not going to be anyone here at the end of this finish line to support me and to root me on what's the point of running the race right you know that's the feeling that I get yes wow well thank you Soraya you have thank been you. an amazing your testimony is so powerful you are truly an inspiration and I thank you for everything that you have done. You have gone through tremendous pain. You have experienced hurt on a level that most people would never even understand. And yet you're here today, standing before us with a smile on your face. Yes, honey, got to, Jesus, got to. Wow, you are such an inspiration. What, is there anything else that you want people to know about you? Um, Just that, it's not me that has done this. So, you know, my my last words of encouragement to people is at the end of the day, don't think that you could do it by yourself. If you're on drugs or if you're dealing with life controlling issues, whether that's drugs, alcohol, um, if you're in a domestic violence relationship, if, you're, if you are human traffic, you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. You cannot do this alone. You wanna get out, you cannot do this alone. You need to reach out. You have to call out. And the one person that will help you and he will open up doors that no man can open and close doors that no man can close is Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. he will He will make a way for you. Mm -hmm. He will make a way out. He made a way out for me. He says, I have no respecter of others. He done it for me. He will do it for the next person. I am nobody special. I'm just another vessel being used in his kingdom. That's just all I am, just to share his love of, of who he, what he has done for my life. And that's why I, I leave today is at the end of the day, if you don't know Jesus, call out to him, ask him into your heart and ask him to just change, the, that you wanna change and be sincere mm -hmm. to the depths of your heart. Say, God, I need you and I wanna change and I want the love. I want the love that surpasses all understanding, the peace and the love that can only come from him. Thank you so much, Soraya. You are awesome. You are just an amazing woman. For our listeners, the name of her book is called No More Games. It is available on Amazon and it talks about her 20 year experience as a sex trafficking slave who freed herself. She is no longer living in bondage anymore and she's free she's written a book she has developed a relationship with jesus christ he's her savior she's a mom to her little boy do you have yes. is it a boy it's a boy i Aww. got two boys i got a 14 year old and i got a five-year-old 
Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, you are such an inspiration and I thank you for coming on to my podcast. As yes, I mentioned you. before, this podcast was created as a platform for spreading love. And that's what you have done today, Soraya. Amen. You have spread it love to my audience, to people, and you've given a lot of hope. I Amen. feel, I feel that there's a lot of hope for people who may be stuck in a situation like what you were involved in and they can free themselves. You've done it. You had the strength and the power and you've given those people who don't have strength and power what they need to do. You've given them the tools to do it as well. Amen. So I thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. much. And I hope that this is not our last conversation. I would no. love to be in contact with you. Yes. I also would love to meet or either talk to yeah. the person who rescued you because she is a very important part of your where you are in your life right now. So. Yes. Kudos to her as well. Oh, great. Yes, that would be a blessing. That would be awesome. She's an amazing woman. Okay. She's amazing with them. Wow. Thank you so much, Soraya. And I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, to my podcast. The podcast is called Speaking of Love in honor of my father. And I appreciate each and every one for you, of you for tuning in this week. We will be back next Saturday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern time. And um, I have a surprise topic for you next week. We're going to talk about the topic of suicide which is uh, the way my father passed away. He was involved in a murder-suicide. He murdered his wife and then he killed himself. So next week, we're gonna divulge a little deeper on that topic. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you next week. And just remember, no matter where you go, always sprinkle a little love. Amen. Thank you and have a good day, everyone. Thank you.